Hello, everyone, and welcome to Functional Fertility, the podcast designed to demystify your hormones, up-level your lifestyle, and supercharge your fertility potential. I'm your host, Dr. Kalia Waddles, and today's episode is all about the mind-body connection and exploring ways that we can support our mental, emotional, spiritual health during the fertility journey. To do that, I want to introduce you to today's guest, Amira Posner. Amira is a social worker with a counseling practice geared toward helping women, men, and couples struggling with infertility. Amira has her master's in social work and is professionally trained as a hypnotherapist. It was actually her own personal experience with secondary infertility that was the catalyst behind healing infertility. Happily, her fertility journey ended joyfully with the birth of her twins conceived through IVF, and the result of this experience encouraged Amira to dedicate herself to helping others learn how to reduce their mind-body stress and cultivate new ways of relating to their fertility experience. I have been so looking forward to this episode. Welcome, Amira. Thank you, Kalia, so much for having me. I'm so, so honored to be here and talk about my passion with you. Thank you. I loved when we were kind of preparing for this episode and deciding what we wanted to talk about. And you said you really wanted to focus on helping people feel hopeful and sharing success. And I I think that's so important when we, we have this community that is struggling with fertility and there's so much of an emotional toll that could come up, but having support from people like you and having community and having all of these tools that we'll talk about, I think is so powerful as we navigate these challenges. So Amira, your passion for this work was really born out of your own experience and your own fertility journey. And I thought it would be helpful to start today's episode learning a little bit more about how you found yourself in need of some mind-body support and how you incorporated those tools into your own fertility path. So my journey was about 13 years ago, and it was honestly, Kalia, one of the most difficult experiences of my life. And I just, I was in the depths of my despair when I learned that IVF was our only option. And I didn't really know how to process it. And it turned out our journey was actually very successful. And we had a very happy ending. And I knew when I was going through it that if I make it out alive, which I did, that it would be my work to help others also get through it. And and that's essentially what happened. When I was going through my own journey, I, I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt... I felt like I couldn't connect to anyone around me. I could barely work. I was part of a group. Um, I was dealing with secondary infertility and we all had one baby. They were all pregnant with their second. So many different emotions. So I knew about mindfulness from about 10 years previous when I had a very difficult breakup. And it helped me through that time. And I I started to draw upon it when I was going through my IVF journey. And it was really helpful in just grounding me. And I mean, now I see it very differently and I'm able to use the skills and help people use them in a different way because I'm not in it emotionally anymore. 
but I was there once. You were there. And I think sometimes our most powerful lessons, especially about our health and our bodies, come from our own unique and personal experiences, our lived experience through our health journey. So I think um, your tools that you learned are so powerful. And I want to I want to talk about how we apply that at various stages during our fertility treatment and I'm hoping you'll share with us some steps that we might be able to take before we even begin, you know, IVF or before we even start treatment. What can we do to start fortifying kind of our mental, emotional, spiritual wellness and preparation, knowing that we'll be tested and knowing that things will become difficult? So there are many different techniques when we talk about mind-body that can help. Um, you know, I practice mindfulness, visualization, the relaxation response, self-hypnosis. But I think just starting with someone who's struggling at the very beginning would be just giving them tools to ground themselves and giving them space to help them understand that not everything going on in their head is reality. Mm -hmm. We have over 80,000 thoughts a day. And so when we're in a state of, you know, fight and flight and fear and just feeling threatened, it's really hard for us to connect to that state. Mm -hmm. So, so just helping them take a deep breath and come back to themselves and that's a process in itself. I've been interested in one of your pillars of the work that you do is helping your clients to hone in on what is in their control and what is not in their control. And I think what you said really speaks to that, like our our perception of control and our desire to control things that maybe there's no way that we can. So how does this understanding help us to move forward in our fertility journey with maybe, I don't know if resistance is the right word, but less resistance, less agony. Yeah. So I think it's, it sounds too good to be true. Like how is it possible? Right. And most often when we're going through this, we don't feel that, you know, feeling, I want to let go. I want to be calm because we just don't have the capacity. And some of us have different personalities where we're even more type A and want to control things. But it's something, it's a technique. So it's something that you can practice. And what we practice grows stronger. So there's things that we can control and there's things that we can't. So what we can control are the little things, you know, which doctor we go see when we do our medication, what treatment plan, but there's a ton that we don't control, right? The outcome, how we're going to respond. Most we don't control, but most we don't control in life, right? So let's let go of the things we can't control. And that's a practice. It's a technique. And it's not something that's going to be your innate way. 
How relieving though, to be able to, uh, I, I read, I'm sure that this is everywhere, but um, this whole concept of it's not giving up, it's giving over, not giving it up, it's giving it over, like giving it over to whatever, a higher power or just the universe or whatever it feels right for you. So that it's not defeat, but it's exactly what you're saying. Let me focus on the things that I can control and the rest, I'll surrender that a bit. Yeah. And trust and acknowledge that it's difficult and that I can't control it. And well, what else can I do to help myself feel the anxiety associated with it once I let it go? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've seen you talk about bridging hope with acceptance. And I really was thinking about that because it reminds me of holding these dualities, like when patients tell me they're cautiously optimistic. And it it doesn't have to be either or. I mean, you can feel both of those feelings. You can feel hopeful and accept an outcome. You can feel cautious and optimistic. So when you talk about this bridge between hope and acceptance, what what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And how do you talk about that with your clients? Yeah, it's it's I really like just the phrase, just as you described it. And I don't think it's helpful to go through this journey without hope. Mm-hmm. And when I use the term acceptance, I don't necessarily mean acceptance about like an outcome, even if it's not something you like, but I mean, just accepting where you're at, right? And it's almost like waves or it can be described as a roller coaster and there's hopeful times and acceptance times of more acceptance and just knowing that oscillation. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you're working with couples, do you sometimes find that they're at different points in their spectrum of hope and acceptance and 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 at some point have to find a bit of a common ground when they're riding different parts of the roller coaster? Yeah, that's not an uncommon scenario because we're all different people and it's very different, um, you know, working with couples, oftentimes with heterosexual couples, um, generally speaking, the male counterpart is um, has more resilience and has more optimist, op- optimism. And, you know, that I think is for a number of reasons, even going to like they don't have the medication and they're not the ones whose bodies are going through it. But I actually think that's a gift because I have seen the scenario where both partners are not doing well and it's, it's, it's more difficult, right? So if one has more strength and stability, then let's use that to help the other one. Right. What about sometimes I hear from my patients, especially when they're going through, when maybe they're on their third or fourth round of fertility treatment and they feel like they just keep getting bad news. It's like one thing after another. How do you help them return to this place of hopefulness when it's like every phone call they're dreading, every email, every nurse check-in? Yeah, I think as the journey goes on and as you've had failed cycles, it does sometimes get more difficult before it can get a little bit better. And mindfulness 
can be used in a way that, I mean, it sounds maybe a little esoteric, but you can maybe subscribe to this as a functional medicine doctor. Every month is different. Every month it's a new possibility. It's a new egg, a new sperm, a new chance. And so sometimes it's helpful to bring a beginner's mind to the treatment, letting go of the past, letting go of the future, and just focusing it one month at a time. And then while you're going through it, not putting that pressure on yourself to be mispositivity, but maybe to come to some neutrality mm-hmm. where, you know, you acknowledge the difficulties and the negative thoughts, and you also can try to cultivate the positive. Yeah, I've, I, this comes up sometimes when I'm working with patients and um, and they get their period and that can be so devastating when you're trying to conceive, obviously. And sometimes it's helpful to think about that shedding of the endometrium. And it's like the ritual of it, of we're shedding what didn't serve us. And it's an opportunity for newness and for freshness. Now this is a fresh endometrium. It's a fresh chance. It's a fresh cycle. And when we're really trying to look for that hopefulness in a situation that is discouraging, those are the things we can latch on to, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. And then going a step deeper and and visualizing that happening. And it's like the beginning of a new month, but let's not minimize that emotional sort of ache and loss because there is one and it's very normal and common to take a couple of days and Like, I remember I wasn't sometimes able to get out of bed that day. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. really hard. And then, you know, with day three comes and day four comes and you get a little bit more energy and. Right. I mean, I think that's the hardest part as for any of us, if we're dealing with, with infertility, if we're working with people who are struggling with infertility, it's really honoring the very real pain and frustration and grief and trauma around the whole situation while also looking for a path forward. Like how can we maintain this forward momentum, but also validate and really honor the fact that this is excruciating. And I think that's hard no matter what, no matter where you are, if you're the practitioner, if you're the patient, if you're a friend, a family member, like that's the challenge. Yeah, it is the challenge. And one thing that comes to mind is, and I'm always saying it to my clients, is the journey to get to the destination of pregnancy and a baby and a family, the journey, it's also part of the destination, right? And so there's so much about the journey that we learn and we gather, especially when we're in the depths of our despair. It's like almost a rebirth of our ourselves. And then we learn to take care of ourselves. And then that transcends into pregnancy and motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so curious to talk to you about, um, because your journey was with secondary infertility. And I hear this from patients. They had a baby. They got pregnant. Sometimes they didn't even have any trouble getting pregnant the first time. 
And then the second time it takes so long and it's not working and they're so frustrated and they are thinking, what, what did I do to break myself? Obviously I was fine. And there tends to be like a lot of blame and shame and guilt around that. Is that something that you're seeing in your practice too, since you work with so many patients who have secondary infertility? Yes, I do see it. And there's exactly that, a feeling like, what did I do wrong? What's changed? And sometimes like there is evidence that there are some issues that come up, um, but sometimes there isn't, right? And so it's, it's hard because maybe it worked so well the first time. It worked so well for us the first time. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I'm just grateful that IVF was successful. But before we did the IVF, we did other like three IUIs that weren't successful. Right. So it was it was a journey. And I'm I still am surprised it worked. And the twins are 13. Wow. <laughs> yes. And look at how, I mean, to your point a moment ago about the the journey also being part of your destination is through that journey, you found all of these tools that now serve you for the rest of your life because things are going to come up. We're always going to face challenges no matter what. And now you're able to apply these tools throughout your entire life. And, and I hear that when patients go through their infertility journey, it's, you know, everybody's story is different, but sometimes it's now I know that my marriage has the fortitude to deal with whatever comes our way. Or now I understand how my lifestyle can impact my health and I'm more, have more awareness about that. So I think all of those pieces are powerful when we get to a place where we're able to look at those, which is maybe yeah. we're not there and that's fine. Right. Exactly. You've talked about the tunnel vision that can happen when we're so focused on our fertility. It's all we think about, like we're at work. And we're thinking about it. We're making our appointments. We're doing our meds. It becomes our entire existence. How do you help clients to remember that there's other parts of their identity and to reconnect to that when they're in the throes of treatment? So it's a really big theme and it's really hard to get that point across. I run a mind-body fertility support group. And in one of the sessions, that's all we focus on is perspective. Mm. And I bring out this book and it's a picture book and it's called Zoom. And I show the first page to everybody and nobody knows what it is because it's so abstract. And then I turn the pages and you see, as I turn each page, a story unfolds and it, it's like you're zooming out so you can see the bigger picture, mm -hmm. right? When we're so close up to something, our whole emotional response is it's like we can't see things clearly and we need to take a little bit of space so that we can see the bigger picture. It's not an automatic thing when you're going through a struggle. So you get off the internet, you stop Googling, you start using different things to help you feel better and full. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important that we um, 
have some lightheartedness when going through such a tough experience. And so sometimes I try to help my patients remember even did you do you like to listen to music? Did you like to play an instrument? Do you like to watch funny movies? Like, I know there's something in there that used to feel lighthearted at times. And how can we tap into that person? Yeah. You know, um, when I was running my group at Mount Sinai Hospital, we had a session where I would bring in a laughing yoga instructor. And we would spend 45 minutes following her laughter and just evoking this feeling like when you laugh so hard that you forget your problems for those minutes and just to see the smile and energy on everybody's face. And it's, it's healing. Laughter is a medicine being lighthearted with things can be helpful. So helpful. And I know you have a lot of experience facilitating fertility groups. And I wanted to get your perspective. I think when we're dealing with infertility, there is a sense of isolation. And sometimes that's done on purpose because we know that when we go outside, there's this potential for triggers. Someone will ask us, you know, when are you having another baby? Or when are you planning to have children? Or there's birthday parties or baby showers or any number of social triggers. But how do you find that when your clients are in these built-in communities, that that actually helps with their processing? It really helps with their processing because oftentimes when we do talk about everything that's going on and the feelings of shame and isolation, those feelings diminish. And we can see others who are struggling with the same struggle and we can look at them with more compassion. And then sometimes that reverberates back to ourselves. Yeah, it's really healing to to speak to others who have gone through the journey or are going through. And I'm sure that when you're in that setting, like these support networks are so strong because of the fact that what you're dealing with is so emotionally loaded. And then you have this um, probably a friend for a long time that sees you through many stages of your experience. And so I I, th- I think um, that's something that I, I'm hoping to bring into my world and my practice is more community support because I know that that's really powerful. And speaking of strong emotions, I think we have to bring in the concept of anger into this conversation because it's so natural for anger to surface, like anger at ourselves, at our bodies, maybe at our partner. How do you help your clients to engage with the anger that is bound to come up? So I heard a beautiful quote and it said, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name is grief. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So I think sometimes the grief can manifest through anger, through sadness, and it's normal. It's very normal. And let's process that and feel it. And then let's do something to help ourselves feel better. That gave me chills that there it's anger, but the undercurrent is grief. And of course, of course, it's 
it's natural to grieve when you had a dream and you had in your mind an outcome that you thought would be possible, maybe even easy, that you always imagined, and now it's not happening, of course there's going to be grief. Yeah, but sometimes the new plan is better, much better than you ever thought. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. And so part of us is making room for that. I've had that mantra or that affirmation before of, um, I'm open to a future that's even better than I can imagine. Yeah. Beautiful. As we're, this is the perfect time for me to talk to you about guided imagery or visualization. This is actually my preferred method of mindfulness. I find breathing just from my personal experience, breathing is so hard for me, breathing exercises. So when I have something to anchor into, you know, guided imagery or guided visualization, that's it for me. That's the sweet spot for me. So how do you help um, incorporate guided imagery into patients who are going through fertility treatment? Can they use it, you know, throughout? How do you bring that in? Yeah, so I have a special sort of series that I use for IVF or for an IUI, and there's specific times during the cycle that we would meet and helping for them just to go a little bit deeper inside their body and visualizing kind of like what you said earlier with the shedding of the uterine lining and, you know, depending on what day they're on and just having them relax a little bit. And, and when they're in a relaxed state, they're just more open to these suggestions of different ways of seeing their body. But it actually goes even deeper because there's a part of your mind that you can trick it doesn't know what's real and what isn't. So other visualizations such as, you know, just putting on waves and closing your eyes and pretending you're at a beach. That can be really calming for your system. Yeah. I am fascinated by this Um the use of visualization or imagery that actually has a physiological response in the body. And I remember years ago learning from a really amazing researcher named Bella Ruth Napperstek, and she had done all this work on, on visualization, what then actually looking at different biomarkers. And one of the studies that I think was most just stuck with me is they had patients who were going in to get a hysterectomy and they did visualization exercises where they like drew their blood into their core and held on to it and um, visualized the healing. And those patients who did those exercises lost less blood. The sh- surgery was a, took a shorter amount of time. They recovered much more quickly. And it was just really profound and powerful how the visualization actually affected their physical body. And I think the same is true for fertility. If we can, you know, visualize a womb that is, you know, filled with, with nourishment and it's warm and it's cozy. I I have to believe that that is affecting us somehow. Yeah, exactly. Believing that our bodies are strong and capable and like allowing ourselves to go back to 
the understanding that we all started as a ball of cells, everyone you see out there. And it's something our body knows how to do. It's a mechanism that, yes, we sometimes need support, but ultimately our body has this memory, this intelligence. Yes. I know that your own experience moving through IVF and now having your beautiful twins has been really a a pivotal point of your life and your career. We talked about our goal ultimately being to, to show that there's hopefulness and there can be success in your story. So as we get ready to close the episode today, what advice do you have for those who may be out there and they're dealing with some uncertainty and really still in that place of wondering how their own story will unfold? I can tell you that you're not alone and it can be helpful to to sort of be where you are. So what I mean by that is be where you are. Don't be trying to resolve the end of treatment and what you're going to do if it doesn't work because that probably isn't where you are right and that experience in thinking about it with anticipation is much different than in real time Mm. so let that go and be where you are if that's on day three that's day three if that's day 12 that's day 12 if if it's you know preparing for an IVF then that's your focus Yeah. Beautiful. Because um, it's easy to catastrophize and to have that anticipation, especially when it's so, we want something so bad. Have you heard um, the term? I I see this on fertility forums all the time. And I I kind of love it when people say I'm pregnant until proven otherwise. Like I'm always at the beginning of every cycle. I am pregnant until proven otherwise. Yeah. I really like that. And if you know, you can subscribe to that. Amazing. Not everyone can, right? Mm-hmm. So right. that's when we try to maybe strive for more of the neutrality as opposed to, you know, above and beyond and below and depleted and you get it. Yeah. Neutrality. That's the safe spot for all of us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Amira, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing of your own story, for letting us know how you incorporate these tools with your clients, and for leaving us with this message of hopefulness. It's been a joy to get to know you and spend time with you today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, Kalia. Thank you so much to our listeners who tune in to hear these stories. To our show's amazing producer, Paolo Martini, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you all next time. Did you love this episode and want to hear more? Head over to drkaliawaddles.com slash podcast where you can find more episodes on all things fertility.